All right, as a kid, I used to love when my parents would sit down and play a game with us or do any activity. And right here in our hands, we have the KiwiCo box, which is the activity of all activities for young kids. The colorful chemistry set, to be specific. So with Drew and Jet and Bear, we try to have really intentional playtime. And that's hard because they're all different ages and kind of in different developmental kind of phases of life. I love with KiwiCo that each month we get boxes specific to their ages and kind of like the activity development phase that they're in. So each box, this one's the colorful chemistry set. Um, this has to do with science, but especially with Bear, it can be really hard with a four month old to know like how to interact with him where he needs to be at four months old. And I love in these crates, they actually have cards that say, here are activities or things you can do specific to Bear that will help him identify colors or whatever it is. I love KiwiCo. There's always something new for kids to discover, like learning about the science of ice cream, engineering robots, or doing science experiments, which our kids have loved yes. recently. Sean is currently holding, as she said, the Colorful Chemistry Kit, which has provided hours of entertainment for our kids. They look forward to their new crate every month, and this one kept him really engaged. We got to experiment with mixing oil and water, mixing different colors and watching how different things react. It was so fun. We basically created our own little chemistry lab with the kids and we could feel their excitement when they got to play around and mix things together. Plus, it barely made a mess. So it was really quick to clean up and to use again another day. It can be hard to find creative ways to keep your children engaged, challenged, and off their screens, but KiwiCo does the work for you. So you can spend quality time tackling projects together. Redefine learning with play. Explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month of any crate at KiwiCo.com when you use code COUPLE. That's 50% off your first month at K-I-W-I-Co.com, promo code COUPLE. So I'm just going to do all this stuff for you, but I really <laughs> just want you to like me, right? And and so they can't see the manipulation behind that. They think it's, oh, it's so altruistic. It's actually not. What okay, both y'all stop laughing, okay? I feel like my soul was just red there. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Couple Things. With Sean and Andrew. A podcast all about couples. And the things they go through. Today, we have a special one. We have Susan Drum, who might be the most qualified person <laughs> we have ever had on this show. Her resume, I started reading it, and I was like, why is she even doing this interview? She's a Harvard lawyer. Yeah. Um, she ended up going, just for fun, to London to study theater and drama. She worked with the Boston Consulting Group, and now she works with a leadership group called Meritage Leadership. And so we brought Susan on because she is uh, an expert in the Enneagram personality test. Um, and she, what she does is she'll work with organizations and leaders of companies to kind of figure out how they can do things better, be more efficient as a team, and be closer knit, just operate better. But we thought it'd be interesting for her to come on, uh, evaluate what our Enneagrams are, mm -hmm. what the ramifications are of that, and then kind of discuss and give vocabulary around um, how Sean and I could do things better and, and where we might get hung up. So the Enneagram, I'm not going to lie, was something that I have a healthy degree of skepticism around. <laughs> yes, you, you know? do. And we talk about this, but we'll talk about why actually. And she actually pinpoints exactly why you <laughs> in particular are a skeptic when it comes to Enneagrams. It's just personality tests are just interesting. Um, and I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on them. But 
I actually found this episode extremely helpful. And whether you're the leader of a company or the leader of your family, I do think always evaluating how can we do things better as a unit. Um, now we have two kids, you and I, you know, there's just like constraints and there's things that need to be done, uh, again, in whatever context we're talking about. But, uh, Susan really helped with that. To start the conversation within your own household, you can actually go to susandrum.com and she has a customized seven question quiz to kind of really spark that conversation about, um, what your tendencies are, what your, um, your habits are and how you can really work on that relationship within your own household. Yeah. So we talk about a lot of things. We talk about Susan's background. We talk about uh, the Enneagram itself. Then we talk about Sean and I's Enneagram, what type of people we gravitate towards and what type of people we have a lot of friction with. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed this one. So if you want to find out more about Susan, what she's up to, we'll link her information down below. And also please don't forget to, uh, subscribe and rate the show on whatever platform you're listening on. And without further ado, we bring you Susan Drum. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. We're very excited, uh, a little nervous, so I'm not going to lie. You you kind of had us take an evaluation, a little test, and we're going to be talking about that. And so not many people have uh, access to that, but you do. Yes, yes. <laughs> it is so fascinating to use this tool called the Enneagram. I can't wait to talk to you more about it. I use it in the leadership development work that I do with teams and senior leaders. And there's a lot of work that can be done with couples with it as well. So it's perfect. I think you might be the most qualified individual we've had on the show. I was reading your resume the other day and I was like, I don't know why she's doing our show. <laughs> You're one way too smart and way too qualified. But so with that, it is such an honor. Um, but another side of this is you have been recommended to us before. And then the Enneagram has also been something that's been widely like requested. And we had really never taken it except or before this. We had kind of played around with it and heard of it. But this was the first time we had taken it. So we're very curious to hear what you say. Yeah. I am. You touched on a little bit of your leadership work that you do. Can you just tell us a brief background of who you are and what you do? Sure. So I work with teams and senior leaders to help the teams work more effectively together. Mm. And uh, so some people would say I'm a marriage counselor for business okay. <laughs> and uh, work with everything from um, very large companies, Fortune 50 companies to private equity backed um, uh, more later stage startup companies when they get to at least probably around 40 or so people is when they start to see, huh, how I'm leading is really impacting how my team is performing. And perhaps I never really focused on that as much as I need to now, because your success is really gonna be based at that level, how well you lead, inspire, retain talent, mm. hire the right talent, all of those things. So that's what I go in and help companies do. And I have a um, consulting firm called Meritage Leadership and we've got about 15 coaches and an extended team uh, to do that type of work. What got you into this, Susan? Oh my God, I have a weird, <laughs> I have a very weird eclectic background. So I have been doing this work, uh, this type of consulting for almost 20 years. But prior to that, um, I went to law school and decided not to practice law. Not just law school, you went to Harvard, Harvard. Law. Chill. Okay, Harvard Law. <laughs> 
Yes. So you can imagine, I think my parents are like, what are you doing? (laughs) But I could tell when I worked during my summers, you, you, you intern at different law firms. And I thought, wow, this is just not for me. I, I have all this loan debt that I'm coming out with. I don't know what I'm going to do. And that's when I started getting interested in consulting and I was taking classes at Harvard Business School at the same time and transferring them over for credits. And I was like, I should have gone that route. Mm. So that's how I went to work for BCG. So I've always had a lot of consulting in my background. So BCG's Boston Consulting Group that mm-hmm. does more strategy consulting. And my career took some twists, other twists and turns, which I won't get into, except for one thing. Um, about five years after law school, I took a hiatus and I went to drama school. So mm. acting. Okay. And I did that in London. It was called the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. And it was in that process, I thought, my God, there's so much I could go back with and teach leaders what actors know about being authentic and how to connect Mm. and how to deal with that, you know, inner critic inside your head. As an actor, you really, you really need to understand that and deal with it. Otherwise, you're going to be concerned about what the guy in the front row is thinking about you, right? If you can't learn that level of focus. And, and so that's when I got into leadership development. So I, I found what I learned in the acting space, I could really translate into leadership development and started working for a boutique firm and then went out on my own shortly Mm. thereafter. So truly eclectic and all over the place, Harvard law to London drama. Um, Where did the Enneagram fall in your like a journey with your career, but now with your consulting business? Yeah. So about 10 years ago, I got very interested in this tool because it actually has a deeply spiritual side to it, which we don't really talk about in the business side, but it does. Um, And I was interested in looking at that uh, aspect. I'd worked with many assessments. There are lots of different assessments that get, it gets compared to, but it's very different. And I'll tell you how it's different, but it, it is a, um, you know, there's things called Myers-Briggs or DISC, um, even StrengthsFinder, which I wouldn't necessarily call an assessment of that, of the same type, but it's very different in that it's looking at core motivators. So mm. what drives you? Behaviors can look very different with a person of the same Enneagram type. And so all these other assessments are looking at behaviors or what I call almost like if you think of an iceberg but above the water, things that you can see underneath it is like, what's really driving those behaviors. And when we can get to that level of motivator, we can really understand what the path of growth is for you as an individual. And if I'm in leadership development, that's what I really care about. You know, some of these other tests Mm. say, okay, I'm this. And it's a little bit like, so what, what do you do about that? Whereas the Enneagram very clearly articulates the path of growth for you, for yourself based on your Enneagram type. And there are different levels of growth in any type, depending on how much development work that you've done on yourself, right? And so there, it's it's such a deep tool. It's far deeper than um, people can. I'm still learning things, and we're mm. still learning things and understanding it. But it's it's an amazing, amazing tool for personal development, team development, and leadership. What's the spiritual aspect of it? I'm curious. Uh, it's a little bit like how you get in your own way. Um, and what keeps you, 
I'll go to the to the story that I once heard, which is the no one owns the Enneagram and some it's an ancient symbol. So some of some of the people, some of the very early on, I had heard through my teachings that it showed up in all different ways from Homer's Odyssey to a commune of monks in the 13th century noticed wow. that there were patterns of behavior or the way people saw the world that were keeping them from being more godlike or closer to God. It was almost like the thing that gets in your way. And they noticed because they were large that there was these clusters of how people saw the world. And so that's sort of the spiritual, the spiritual sizes. What, what keeps you from not being whole or closer to God or what, what's mm. getting in your way or having you feel disconnected and rooted in personality structure. It does seem like the Enneagram resonates with certain religious groups, Christian Christianity mm -hmm. in particular, where it's like, you know, it's a, it's a big topic of discussion, but is that how you view these kind of uh, personality tests or indicators as, as um, hints to the patterns of behavior. It's not like, you know, some people get caught up on like, Oh, it says I'm a seven and I'm, I don't want to get boxed in with <laughs> a certain personality type or what's your response to someone who feels that way? Well, that's exactly what a seven would do. <laughs> <laughs> Sevens want freedom and flexibility and options. So yeah. I, I joke that cause I'm also a seven, that a seven is the most resistant to being typed. And that's part of the nature of a seven, right? Mm. And how you react to your report is exactly usually in line with what your type is, right? Um, and then there's also type nine, which is the hardest to type because they morph into everyone else. And so it's hard to figure out that's the uh, peacemaker. But um, so your question was, does, does it, I, I, I view it as it's an exploration for you. So it, the report may say that, but what you need, the work you need to do is saying, take what resonates with you and leave the rest and use it like anything as a tool for your growth. Yeah. Um, no one assessment can capture the full you. You are a unique individual and um, there's no one else like you. And yet these types of tools can be really helpful in looking at or uncovering a blind spot. And that's what it does. The, the, the analogy I like to use is we think as human beings that we're chameleons and can see 360 degrees, right? But the reality is we can't. We have a central vision and a peripheral vision. And where I put my focus of attention, i.e. what I'm motivated by, that's what I see. But there's something behind my head I can't see. Mm. And that's my blind spot. But in the model of the Enneagram, someone else is looking that direction. And so when I work with teams on this, they're like, wow, I thought everybody thought the way I did. Well, they don't. And you also learn there's actually a gift in that person looking at what you can't see. Mm. And so sometimes when we do the debriefs with people to understand their Enneagram type, it's usually the blind spot. They'll go, oh, I don't see that for myself. <laughs> and I joke, that's why it's called a blind spot, right? If you could see it, it wouldn't be a blind spot. Right. Um, but when you talk to people that know you really well, they can say, well, yeah, sometimes I see some of that, <laughs> right? If they're willing to speak the truth. Yeah. It.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sean and I have been open about our journey with marriage counseling, and it's been really helpful for us. We all carry around different stressors, both big and small, and it's important to sort those out so they don't affect your relationships. I agree. And therapy is such a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. We've been meeting with a therapist individually and as a couple, and it's been a great way to sort through any stressors in the week and have better communication about how we're feeling, which is hard to do when you're busy with kids. BetterHelp is an incredible option if you're thinking of giving therapy a try. It's all online, so it's convenient and flexible with your schedule. It's also nice that you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, so you make sure it's a good fit for you. We would highly recommend trying it out. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash EastFam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash EastFam. Everyone knows that finding the perfect t-shirt with like, the quality and the fit is near impossible. I told you guys that I found skims while I was pregnant and now postpartum, I found the best nursing bra known to mankind from skims. Well, they've outdone themselves again because they now have the perfect t-shirt, especially postpartum with a changing body. I can guarantee you, you won't find a t-shirt like it. I love also that skims has a fit for everyone from the long t-shirts to the cropped. They truly have like sizes and qualities and styles for every single thing you could want. So the cotton jersey t-shirt is the one that I'm talking about. It is an absolute staple. I feel like I'm reaching for it literally every day, especially nursing with bear. It's breathable and soft, and it somehow gets even softer and still holds its shape after every wash. If I could only recommend two of the Skims t-shirts, I would say the cotton jersey t-shirt, which I have in mineral, or the boyfriend t-shirt, literally in any color, are probably my two favorite t-shirts that they make. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes extra, extra small to 4X. After you place your order, select podcast. In the drop-down menu, select couple things to let them know we sent you. Have a good one. Today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Which we use literally every single day. Every day. I'm actually curious if I could have Drew start taking it because it's that good. I'm just obsessed. If you don't know about Athletic Greens, it has 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. Athletic Greens helps with your gut health, your brain health, your physical health, all the health Athletic Greens yeah. helps with. It's your energy, your focus, your mind, your skin, your hair, your digestion, all of it. It is all covered. If you have a nutritional gap in your diet, this will fill it. This is a great place to start if you're looking to take one supplement that can do a lot of benefit in a lot of different areas uh, of your health. Uh, we love Athletic Greens. They helped us out with the tour. We've worked with them for years. We've used them for even longer than that. Yeah. And we actually have a discount for you. If you haven't tried it out, please do so. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every single day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash eastfam. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash eastfam to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Side note, I was just reading that vitamin D is one of the most lacking vitamins in today's society. So they're giving you a whole free year supply of it. We'll also link it down below. Let's get back to it. So bridging this a little bit to your leadership coaching, in learning someone's kind of like guidance in their Enneagram, 
you're able to coach them better to help with their relationships within their business and their their leadership skills and kind of forming those bonds and being able to create stronger connections. Yeah, exactly. So one thing it does is build empathy in the team because you learn why someone's motivated by something else and you have a better understanding for why they do the things that they do. Um, and it doesn't become a mystery. It's not like, why is that person acting like this? This is crazy. I wouldn't do that. Well, you understand that better. But first, first and foremost, you understand yourself better. So you start to learn where your path of growth is and your path of growth is actually linked to other Enneagram types. So you start to learn the connection between types and something we can talk about later, which is they call them wing styles or arrow lines. And those are, those are not only does it point to the direction of growth for you, but it tells you who, who can be the most uh, influential in your growth. And in some cases, it's probably the person that triggers you, but you have something to learn from that person. <laughs> Talking about my wife. <laughs> it's probably, we're probably each other's triggers here. I don't know. We were, ex we're expecting you to tell us we are not compatible people that we're just each other's, you know, arch nemesis. One thing we've, we've, been you're not, you're not, you're not so bad. You're not so <laughs> okay. bad. <laughs> okay, good. She's kidding. I think you love me, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, absolutely I'm love kidding. you. Yeah. I get uh, you. One thing we've enjoyed doing with this show is taking, Sean and I are both pretty interested in the entrepreneurial business space. Uh, but taking these concepts like your leadership coach, coaching with uh, organizations and applying them to kind of what we spend all day, every day doing, which is being in the family context, parenting in marriage. So can you talk about how, what are the similarities in the family situation and the organiz, uh, like the organizational level versus maybe some of the differences that you, you'd see? Yeah, I think, Certainly as a partnership, you're a partnership and learning what are, how can you support each other in your growth, understanding each other in a deeper, deeper way, having more empathy for why you do the things that you do. You know, all of those will drastically improve a marriage, right? And yeah. under, understanding each other better and then understanding where you get in your own way. And you can almost have a shortcut like, oh, there I am doing that thing again, right? Yeah. And is that healthy for me or not? Or what can I learn from you? And certainly in the family unit, you know, as, as you learn, as your, as your kids grow and they, they, more of their personality gets formed. I know all the Enneagram types of my family and can better understand. I know that, you know, um, certain members of my family are going to need a lot of appreciation and acknowledgement. <laughs> that's going to be part, that's part of their type. And, and they're, they're very much motivated by that. So why not, why not give that gift to them? I do want to challenge you probably closer to the end of our interview, especially for the people listening, if you could generalize, which might be difficult each number and what it is like they seek, like what they need and what might be their, what stands in their way, if that makes sense. How can love languages relate to them maybe, or like what they need to, or just in, in the Enneagram vocabulary too. Yeah, for sure. So with that, I think we should find out what our Enneagrams are. <laughs> I'm very curious. So who wants to go first? Andrew. I'll go first. Thank you. Thank you for submitting me. Yeah, yeah. I submit you. 
Okay, so, uh, well, first of all, I should ask you, Andrew, did you get a chance to read the report I sent you? Just because I want to know what you thought. I just read Visionary and I was like, I couldn't agree more. Oh my I, gosh, I ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I did, it was, it was, it was interesting. I also, it, it mentions where I'm stressed, I think. And from the looks of it, I'm not that stressed. I'm a pretty chill kind of guy, it looks like. But I know nothing. Also, I'm coming think, from a super I think amateur. He's a pretty stressed individual. Susan's like, yeah, you're you're <laughs> yeah. you're wrong. But well, if that part is really a little bit self-reported, like if you say you're stressed, it'll come back yeah. as in stressed. But by its very nature, type seven. So let me describe what type seven is. Oh, so you are a seven. I am. Oh. The guy who doesn't want to be boxed in. <laughs> it is the, it's called the enthusiastic visionary. And they tend to be optimists. They tend to look at what could go right and are looking for multiple options. They're great brainstorming partners because they'll come up with like five different ways to do something. They like options. They like fun. They like freedom. And, um, Fun is a huge motivator, I think, for a seven. Like, if it's not fun, why do it? Mm. And, you know, I think that's why I work for myself because I don't, you know, that to me, the freedom of being an entrepreneur is really powerful for me and motivating as a seven as well. Mm. Um, the, the blind spot for a seven is, well, there's a number of things. Some <laughs> sevens can be procrastinators. Although that's not always the case. We can also have sevens who there's a, there's the, the real vice because each type has a virtue and a vice. The real vice is called gluttony and the gluttony doesn't have to be in food or alcohol or whatever you might initially think. It could also just be in this wanting like too much of a good thing all the time, meaning we not only have to go to one country, we have to go to 10 countries or how it shows up for me. And this is what I'm going to ask you how it shows up for you, Andrew, is I give me the next personal development seminar or retreat to go to and I'm on it. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's for me, the gluttony is of the quest of this where I'm, I'm constantly seeking um, where I can overextend myself to the point where it feels like it's so easy to say yes to initially, but then my schedule is crazy. And I'm like, oh my God, I've signed up for too many things. Mm. Or I'll see something as that'll be easy to do. Let's just do that and underestimate what's required to finish a task because I can already see it as done. So with a little bit of that description, I'd mm. love to hear what what shows up for you in the gluttony space yeah gluttony is an interesting term i well i don't often feel overextended um <clears throat> i don't think that was something that i meshed with but i for sure and sean knows this she sees it every day where it's like oh hey i want i have a vision for all of these 40 different videos I want to film. And we start off by like me thinking, Oh, if we, if we just film one, I'm fine. Like that'll, that'll be all I need. But then we film one and I'm like, Oh, but babe, let's do this one too. Am I, am I right yeah. on with this? 
Uh, and then the 10 different country thing is hilarious. Cause we took a, we took a backpacking trip through Europe and <clears throat> Sean probably would have just chilled in Italy the whole time. But I, I wanted to go to, I think it was legit. Was it? We, went, we did 13 countries, 13 countries in like two weeks. Yes. Cause I was like, Oh, we're, I don't know when the next time we're going to be over here. It's like opportunistic yeah. of like, why not now? Like we got to get it done. Like, don't wait. This is our, our one shot at it maybe. So let's just do it. But, um, yeah, I, I would say that's very accurate about me. It sounds right. And I, I would even challenge you to say you do sometimes feel overextended. He's definitely a yes man. He wants to make every opportunity work and doesn't see it, doesn't see the sacrifice or commitment that it actually takes to fulfill it all. Well, okay. I don't want to talk about myself the whole time, but I do think I'm fortunate in the sense that I see like the optimistic side of everything. I feel, I see like purpose in whatever it is where it's like, Oh my gosh, that could, that's really good because of X, Y, Z. You know what I'm saying? So that's why, that's why maybe I don't, you know, if we get, got invited to 15 different functions in one day, he'd be like, we'll make it work. <laughs> and I'm okay. like, no. And yeah. the reason you probably, you, she sees that Sean sees that in you, Angie, but you might not see the overextension in a, a potential challenge area is not seeing what's going wrong because seven the mm. worldview you want to project is i'm okay it's all good i'm okay you're okay we're doing great and there's a there's an unwillingness to look at the deeper pain or the uh or let's say not unwillingness let's say like a little bit softer like there's an inclination not to go there and to pretend everything is better than it really is because seven doesn't like to deal with pain or feel pain. It's like, what the motto could be, why feel bad if you can feel good? Like, mm -hmm. it's all good, people. And the problem, that's an awesome trait to have, right? That's a beautiful gift. The challenge can come when, if you overlook the potential pain points, they actually can come back to bite you in the butt later, and it can feel blindsided when the seven has sort of put some blinders on and not seen it. Why are you laughing? This sounds <laughs> so right. Cause I, I even know there's been times like within our marriage where I'll bring something up and it'll be like small and small and small until it gets to a point where I'm like, no, this is an issue that we have to work on. And he's like, where did this come from? This is like nothing. Like I there's, yeah, it just sounds right. Good. This is good. This is, no, this is really helpful. It's honestly, it reminds me of like marriage counseling where you go in and like, maybe they're not spot on, but it doesn't like the main point is not to get it a hundred percent correct as much as it is like, Hey, well, it sparked interesting conversations. And then also it gives you the vocabulary or like the grid to actually n understand like, Oh, maybe I am being you know, a little bit more like this quality than this quality. And Sean needs that quality. And so anyway, are you just not wanting to be boxed in, babe? Uh, <laughs> don't box me in. I get me out of here, man. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to know? I mean, there's so much more I could go with here. I could talk about directions of growth for you. I could get into subtypes. I, I mean, there's, I would love to know direction of growth for him. And as you used like the verbiage earlier what it is what is it that he seeks or like needs 
within his like Enneagram type. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, I'll answer the last question. Uh, it, well, in terms of seeking, it's new, interesting, fun experiences <laughs> um, and, and a forward momentum. So having the option to visualize the future and feeling like you're moving towards that future. Where you're both similar is you'll both have impatience in your <laughs> seven will be impatient and three will be impatient as well. You're type three competitive achiever, by the way, Sean, on another side, we'll get to that in a minute, <laughs> but both of you have sort of an impatience. So it's, um, if you, if you just be aware of that, are you rushing in and think through? you know, is this the right move for us? Mm. Um, so there, there's that piece in terms of direction of growth. So, so in Enneagram theory, you have, uh, two different ways to grow. The first one is something called the wing styles, which are the numbers on either side of your number. So for you, Andrew, it would be a type six and a type eight. So that what it means is that there's usually you already lean towards one. So if you ever hear some people say, oh, I'm a seven with an eight wing, it just means that they're tapping more into that style of style eight. So type six is called the loyal skeptic. They're always looking at what could go wrong. They're great troubleshooters. So where that seven is the optimist of what could go right, the six, it tempers. If you lean more into the six, you're going to temper with, well, let's look at the potential drawbacks here, or let's look at the, what could get in our way. Where if seven, pure seven doesn't want to be burdened with that because it's limitation. It's like, ah, no, it's fine. It's fine. Right. So the more you can lean into that, the more whole you are, the more balanced you are. Likewise, the type eight is called the powerful challenger or called the active controller. These are people that have very big presence. Um, a lot of CEOs that I coach are type eights. They want to take the hill, take charge. They're very direct. And I mean direct. They will not mince words. They can be very intimidating with their presence. Almost you can feel their presence in the room, even when they're not speaking. And, um, and they're like tireless going after achieving what they, what they want to achieve. A little bit similar to the three in that way, except for the fact that they are this, this incredible uh, directness that's sometimes too direct. Um, and they have a lot of anger and the anger can come out uh, very, uh, I, I once worked with an eight who threw a chair in a meeting. Like it's, a bit, it's you know, it can be, or as, as an eight knows, it's sort of seething underneath there. So what the seven can learn from the eight, and this is all in the, that sheet I gave you, Andrew, that says achieving growth, mm -hmm. is um, how to be a little bit more narrow and focused on what are the goals you're going after so that we don't take on too much, right? The gluttony and really hard charging towards those um, and then learning to be more in touch with all, even anger, because the seven usually was like, oh, I don't want to be angry. That's uh, to get in touch with the anger because anger helps you set boundaries. And when you can get in touch with the anger, you'll be more likely to be, uh, have more discernment about what you take on. So there's lessons on either side of this. It makes sense so far? Yeah. 
Question about the wings. Is it true that um, it, you can't be like a seven wing two? It's got to be. It's got to be on the like one or the other side. It's one okay. of the yeah. There's no. Gotcha. It's it's one. That's the first piece. There's now we'll talk about the airlines, but and the eight being kind of the super tough doesn't mince words. Think of, I don't know, the general. I will let Sean answer. Which which wing do you think I resonate with first? Do you want me to answer? Or do you want you, to guess? you answer first? I would say probably the eight. Really? Yeah. That is, I was definitely going to say landslide six. No. But it's interesting how. Because I think your tendency is not so much visual anger, but he goes very cold. Very, very cold. Uh, that's true. And he goes void of emotion. It's all lockdown seriousness. Let's <laughs> get it done. And it becomes very general. Like, yeah, I would say 100% eight. That's super interesting. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad I just, I'm glad I asked you that. I couldn't see you throwing a chair in the office, but. And there's things to learn from both. And I'm just giving you some examples. There's a lot more right behind there and a lot more richness. Um, and really having some of these people in your life can be beneficial. What you notice, I have one of my best friends is a six. And normally that kind of thing would trigger the crap out of me. I mean, I would just be like, really? Um, but I've learned to listen to her. And sometimes I like double check, like, so how do you see this? Because um, mm -hmm. ultimately, and when we do this in a team, but you can think about this in a family unit is it's cognitive diversity, diversity of thought, right? And you can make the mm -hmm. best decisions when you have more diverse thinking styles. Mm. Now, the harder, let's say the harder places of growth are something called the arrow lines, which are those lines in the diagram. Mm -hmm. um, for type seven, it points to uh, the one which is the strict perfectionist. <laughs> and it points to type five, or in other words, type five points to type seven, um, which is called the quiet observer or the specialist. And these are, these are even harder paths of growth. Um, and really, truly probably the people that would trigger you the most. Um, the five being the tends to go deep on one subject matter, right? Where seven can be broad and multifaceted. I, like there's no surprise. I have an acting degree, a law degree. Like that's so very seven. <laughs> like all these things going, all these things going on. But a five will go deep. Every chief medical officer I've ever worked with was a type five. Mm. Like going deep, specialized a little bit more introverted, creates space and boundaries and, and will want to not rush into things. Unlike a seven, that would be like, let's go. The type one, the strict perfectionist is the, probably the hardest of all because the type one sees one right way to do things and has a very strong internal sense of right and wrong. Uh, always good to have a one on your team, Andrew. If you can have a one on your team somewhere, it will help you. Mm. That's good to know. Where do I find, can I just like a LinkedIn profile people with one Enneagrams or how do, <laughs> do I find Do you know your Enneagram type? I need a one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what feels more challenging to you? Uh, both for sure. Yeah. Both for sure. We're like the five, I'm like, I feel like, my tendency would be to think that they're not doing anything <laughs> like, 
you do one thing, but I feel like you're not doing anything. Right. And then the one I'm like, you're, you're killing my vibe here. You're making us way too slow. And I, I value like in business and family, like flexibility, uh, you know, agility, um, quick learning, like, no, we're not going to do it perfect, but we're doing it. And perfectionists, which Sean has a little bit of, it's like, Hey, we're never like, if you always have this uh, approach of, we can't do it till it's perfect. It's never going to get done. So yeah, both for sure. (laughs) But enough about me. Let's talk about Sean. I think he has a harder time with the perfectionism side. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, so Sean, you did a different assessment than, um, than we normally do. And (laughs) <laughs> need to ask if that resonated with you or not because um and the reason i say this is because the accuracy it can be accurate yeah. absolutely but i want to if it wasn't then we can try to figure out what was the right type um i felt like it was pretty accurate i in reading like the um summary of it or a view i a hundred percent resonated with the the like negatives of the three, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I can't even, I have to pull up like the paragraph, but it was basically like the perfectionism side. I'm driven by the thought of failure. I'm driven by like all of that. I was like, yeah, that's me. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, so then for the audience, I'll tell you, Uh, Type three is called the competitive achiever or sometimes called the productive performer. And there's not one name. So I'm giving you different names. And sometimes people like to choose what resonates for them. But these are some examples. And threes are all about efficiency. Let's get it done. The quickest way to get it done. And they're very goal driven. Even if that means uh, when Susan sends a link to the test that you're (laughs) supposed to take, you just take a different one. You're just trying to I get it done. I had it on my list. It was like, do Enneagram. And I was like, okay, I'm getting it <laughs> done. I bought the code. Oh I did the act. Like I did everything. And I was like, check it off. And then, so, yeah. Does she make a list of to-dos while on vacation? Um, <laughs> yeah, I would say. Yeah. I, yeah. I'd find something to make a list about. Yeah. Yes. She, so threes make lists all the time, even while on vacation. Um, it is it's really motivated by being successful. So failure is a four letter word to a three. Now, nobody likes to fail, but nobody hates to fail more than a three. It's like death, okay, (laughs) to a three. So there's even sometimes, and both seven and threes have this ability to reframe things so it's not necessarily (laughs) a failure, right? And I'll give you an example that I once heard from another practitioner who said that her client, said that he successfully completed three marriages. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So the internal drive is I must be successful and I must win. All right. That's why it's competitive, right? Like I've got to, I've got to rise above. And, and so the, the vice could be behind that. Well, I would first say the gift is this ability to figure out what you need to do to succeed and do that. So you're very adaptable and almost, if you push it too far, chameleon-like, like Like, who do I need to be now to be successful? Mm -hmm. Some of the best salespeople are 
type threes, you know, because they can read their audience and they know how to change and morph. Now, the dark side of that is if you do that too much, there's a question of who are you really? Who are you behind who you feel like you need to project to the world to be successful? And you may not even know that because you're so wrapped up in, well, what is success look like? And I need to be that. So I think some deeper soul searching work that's external to what the world, what the world deems as successful is really helpful for a three. So thoughts on that so far. I mean, I can go into more detail, but. Yeah, I feel like my soul was just read there. I think that's about as accurate as I've heard before. Because I, I truly have like had those thoughts before going through like so many different career pivots. I'm like, who am I if I were to like stop trying to like please someone? Because I think it's what they want to see to a certain extent. So, yeah. I'm thinking Sean, Sean gives speeches and a big story that she tells is like her winning the silver medal and feeling better about it. And it was like a big uh, revelation moment for her. Cause she was like, Oh, I, f I was supposed to win the gold, but I, f I actually for the first time feel more satisfied with my silver because of, of my performance that I gave. And so anyway, I feel like that fits right in. Yeah. Are you looking for a short, educational, and entertaining podcast your kids can listen to while you cook dinner, fold laundry, or just need a few minutes to yourself? Then check out Mysteries About True Histories by Starglow Media. It's so, so cute. I listened to a few episodes, and when it was over, I was like, dang, that was really fun. It's made by the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and the Netflix show, Brainchild, so these people know what they're doing. As a little background info, every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning really cool. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and more. So it's perfect for kids ages six and up. There's a new episode every Thursday, each filled with so much laughter that your kids won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, today's show is also brought to you by Rasa. I'm not going to lie. We got Jet Teething. We got <laughs> Drew, Bonked Her Head. The kids are not sleeping super well. And, yes. And if the kids aren't sleeping, neither are we. Yes. So we have found this new product called Rasa. It's an adaptogenic coffee alternative with an incredible selection of blends that you need to try. Our go-to is the Well Well Welderberry blend right now because it helps boost your immune system. On top of everything else we're doing because our toddler is in school and we have a lot of germs coming into our household. But Rasa also energizes from herbs and uses 15 adaptogens and six mushrooms across their blends so that... You know, even if we don't sleep well, we can mm -hmm. at least feel better. And each blend is formulated by clinical herbalists and can support decreased stress, better sleep, and energy throughout the day. I like how you say decreased and not decreased. 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 After handling the daily grind, it is great to have a source that helps keep me going through the day. Plus, Rasa sustainably sources their ingredients and buys fair trade or direct trade. 
Uh, it also tastes amazing. You have to try Rasa. They even have an online quiz so you can easily find the perfect blend just for you. Right now, we have an awesome deal to get you started. 20% off your first purchase. Just go to wearerasa.com and use our special promo code EASTFAM20. That's promo code EASTFAM20 for 20% off at wearerasa.com. That's R-A-S-A. Our mindset in the East family household is if there's a better way and a healthier way to do it, why not? So trade out your coffee for this. Try it out. We'll also link it down below. Or you could have it on top of coffee. You could do this and coffee. Where the seven can be really good for you, and we'll talk about like where you can benefit each other. Seven can be really good for you because they'll encourage you to play, to play more and to have fun, right? Whereas three will be really good in focusing you on really going after the, again, a little bit the, the, um, accomplishing and finishing the goals where a seven can move on kind of easily. Like, oh, that's not working out. Let's move on. The three will like, no, we have to, we have to cross that off the list. <laughs> I will say Lexi, who you've connected with is sitting behind the camera. She's like, mm-hmm. she said, this is mm-hmm. so true. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so where a three has to grow is the type two, which is the considerate helper. And the type four, which is the authentic creative. And I'll tell you how, in what ways they can grow. But there also may be things that you're already leaning into. Like I said, you you can lean into one side versus another already. Like I have a lot of eight in me that I had to learn to adapt because I'm dealing with so many eights and CEOs and the work that I do, I had to learn to be very direct, um, like an eight, right? So I would say I'm seven leaning to an eight or an eight wing. So considerate helper, these are types that are um, always looking for how they can serve others. Um, And that's wonderful. And they're very giving. They're team players. They're highly empathetic. They can feel others' emotions as if they are their own. And sometimes they get confused. Like they think what other people are feeling is what they feel, but that's not actually necessarily the case. But But they're really good at building rapport with people and, and, you know, their, their motto would be, I can make anyone like me. Now, the difference between the two and the three is the three says, I want you to respect me. The two is, I want you to like me, right? And so there's some similarity in, in those pieces, but, but the blind spot or the dark side for the two, but can also be a little bit manipulative because I really need acknowledgement and appreciation Um, But I'm never going to tell you that. And I hate to let you know that. So I'm just going to do all this stuff for you. But I really (laughs) just want you to like me. Right. And and so they can't see the manipulation behind that. They think it's, oh, it's so altruistic. But it's actually not. Okay. Both y'all stop laughing. Okay. (laughs) They're laughing. Thank you so much for for that, Susan. (laughs) I actually had this conversation the other day. Oh, my God. With a friend of mine about a lot of the arguments we get in because I'll get mad because he won't want to cuddle on the couch and I'm too prideful as like a perfectionist and I'm like, well, I'm not going to ask him to cuddle me because then maybe he doesn't actually want to get it. But I like I want him to, but I can't ask for it. So I'm just going to do everything in my power to hopefully earn it. But if he's still, yeah, get, oh yeah, just, yeah, that's my mind. Or just get pissed off. <laughs> yeah. One of the two. And then feel like I failed and then I get really mad. Wow. Yeah. 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 
right? Sounds about right. Literally like seeing it play out in real life. Oh yeah. But yeah. notice you even said, I have to earn it. That is such a type three mentality. I don't oh, deserve yeah. it unless I've earned it. And that's what's driving me, right? To, to cross off this list. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. The type four, just so you know, that's the authentic creative. And these are people who are very tied into um, the deeper mission of things. So great places sometimes to understand versus just winning like truly what matters. But they're also artistic. And so some threes, this is a good place for them to work because, you know, if you can work on both left and right sides of the brain, the mm -hmm. creative and the, it, it's great. But creativity is not efficient. And for a lot of threes, that's very hard to like get into a creative endeavor, but it can really help your brain development to do so. So I don't know. Do you do anything creative? Um, I like to. Yes. Good. I just don't. Awesome. I try to find time for it. I, I would say our work is like very creative, but Sean, ha it has to be like a perfect. <laughs> we, were, we were decorating a cornhole board with our kids the other day. I don't even know how that situation happened, but like she was drawing <clears> these perfect <throat> flowers and then our two-year-old would like smear it. <laughs> like, and I just feel like, it. oh, yeah. So deep anyway. breath, deep breath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yes, I, I do love to be creative if I have like the perfect space for it. Yeah. That's a good sign. That's a really good sign. I mean, to me, that says that shows uh, growth, right. And personal development growth uh, for your type to be, to be interested and willing to go down that path. That's good. Okay, what are ways that sevens and threes vibe versus might get hung up in areas? Yes. So I, I, I pulled together like a couple of little notes on this because I figured, oh, this will be good. Um, so I would say the, the three goal orientation is really well matched for the seven multi-option brain. <laughs> so you guys will run hard and run fast. Mm -hmm. Um you might overrate the fun aspects, both of you actually, while glossing over defects. So that could be a potential thing. And here's why. The threes can deceive themselves um, by working so hard not to fail and going full speed ahead that often there isn't a, like, let's do a retroactive look at what went wrong and why. Now I'm not saying all the time, um, and if you do do this, that just shows growth. So that's great. But I'm, I'm saying like, here's our tendencies that could happen. Um, so that's some initial pieces. And the seven can avoid looking at painful situations and rationalize failure by looking at the future. And so, as I mentioned before, when you're paired together, it can lead to the sort of surprising and unforeseen problems such as like a financial crisis or a child acting out that you both will miss because of your orientation, because both of your, your orientation, Sean, to like achieve and, and laser focus, let's get the goals, let's cross off the list. And the sevens not wanting to look back, only look ahead. So has that happened at all in your marriage? Have you seen anything like that crop up so far? No crises yet, but I do think actually from a, a personal level, like, like we're, we do run so hard and so fast where it's like sometimes like with our mother-in-law, it's like, man, we should just actually stop and tell her how thankful we are more. Yeah. Cause like 
we're always just doing stuff and like, you know, things like the appreciation side of feeling, making people, people feel appreciated. Uh, we can overlook, I would say yeah. we're guilty of for sure. I do think too, we both having come from like the pres- professional athletic background, I think we both kind of went really hard on like our, our numbers and our, our tendencies and learned the hard way, a lot of things. So when we started in our relationship, we were very aware of a lot of our weaknesses. And so I've tried really hard at least every once in a while to look, to sit down and look back retroactively on how things are going, how to prevent mishaps, I guess. So, okay. That was really fun. I really enjoyed that. (laughs) And I would recommend, um, we'll have Susan send a link to the Enneagram test. She most recommends, but I would also love to, I understand that the Enneagram is, uh, only one piece of what you do, Susan. So I would love for you to talk about other products you have going on and more about what you do. Your book. Yeah, your book in particular. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm so excited. This thing has been like almost four years in the making. It's like, oh my God, please let it come out this year. It will uh-huh. come out this year. I think that it's either late summer, or early fall. Um, but the book is called The Leader's Playlist. And the subtitle is How to Unleash the Power of Music and Neuroscience to Transform Your Leadership and Your Life. Mm. Now, I am fascinated by the power of music to shift state. And that's ultimately what what we're looking at. There's two prongs to this book. On the one hand, I noticed with all the leaders I've coached over the years, how their childhood wounds showed up in the workplace. So whatever happened to them, and again, it's a little bit related to the Enneagram, whatever happened to you as a child is your orientation. And why would one leader fly off the handle on one thing, but another leader would would take that in stride and run with it? And I was fascinated by this concept that it goes way back. It's not what's happening in the moment. I was always looking for a way, you know, change is hard. It's hard to form new habits. And I, for my, myself, I needed to switch a habit. And I started relying on music that got me into the emotional state that I needed to be in. And it started working for me. And so we use this concept of playlist, both literally and figuratively. Figuratively is like, you've got this background music running that you probably don't even realize. And it has you kind of in a pattern of doing the things that you do. But you can both use music to recognize that pattern once you do the coaching work, but also to switch to a new playlist Mm. and use music to anchor that. Because music allows change or these new neural pathways in the brain, how you form habits or through these neural pathways, it allows it to, to form and stick better than without. So I'm leveraging now music to help people make the transition from one state of being to another. The best way I could say for you guys, the example, because you're athletes and Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know, did you use music in your performances? Like how did music impact you? Is um, if you remember Phelps face um, and he, you know, he had that face and he is like, he was using music to, to shift into a state that he knew he needed to be in to perform. Mm -hmm. And so that's a great example. And if Alzheimer's patients, 
they're they're unresponsive and then you put on music and they come alive well why is that what's happening and that's what the mm. book is about the research behind that and then really a process for doing this so wow. curious to know guys did you have you used music in your before like to help you get into the state to win absolutely i mean i would always listen to music when i was um competing right before competition it was always i needed to keep my heart rate as low as possible before i got into the arena otherwise i would exert too much energy to where i would be fatigued so i would listen to the calmest music i could find what was the song the one is cheesy yeah i was, was a 16 year old kid <laughs> yeah what was it it was have a little faith in me by mandy moore yeah um from the soundtrack of a walk to remember anyways i was a child um and then right before it got time to compete i would listen to like anything that got me excited and just got me like moving got my heart rate higher so back then it was lady gaga I think I was similar in the in the sense that I listened to music that was the opposite energy of like where I was at. So if I was super focused, I would, um, when necessary, listen to super hyped up music uh, just to kind of balance myself out. But then like Sean, right before a game where I had so much adrenaline and energy, I would listen to more mellow music to kind of chill me out a little mm -hmm. bit. But I'm pumped for this book. I can't wait. You said summer, fall? Yes, uh, probably early fall. Okay. Most likely. Yeah. Wow. And we'll help you create the, I created a playlist called the empowerment playlist. It really helped. Um, so yeah, it's um, very excited. Well, this was fun, Susan. I'm curious, is there anything that we have overlooked in our time together that you would like to share? I don't think so. I just encourage people to, here's a simple thing that you can do is I've got, I put together a little quiz that looks at, again, looking at where's a roadblock that might be getting in your way. And um, I'd love your feedback on it too, but it's a free quiz. Seven questions doesn't take very long. You just go to susandrum.com, S-U-S-A-N-D-R-U-M-M.com slash quiz. Nice. And you can take the quiz and get the results and give us some feedback. We're constantly refining it, but I think it's a great way to open the door to doing some of this work. I love that. This was really fun. I appreciate <laughs> this. This was, this is one of my favorites. It is. I feel like we could have talked to you for hours Yeah. and I wish we had better internet connection. <laughs> I don't know what's happening today. Yeah. Well, the cables are all coming down. Yeah. But anyway, uh, we will link for those listening and interested all of Susan's information, including to her uh, Meritage leadership group, um, to her website, the quiz that she just mentioned, and when applicable, the book. So Susan, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for giving us the time and uh, we look forward to connecting in the future. Sounds great. Thanks for allowing me to uh, work with you both in this way. It was really fun. <laughs> Special. Of course. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. All right, real quick for all of those listening out there, we don't ask for a lot of favors, I don't think, babe, do we? No. But we're going to ask you a favor today, all right? If you're listening to Couple Things Podcast on Apple Podcasts specifically, will you please do us this short, quick favor? We want to make sure you're staying up to date with our show, and Apple's latest iOS update has paused downloads for many listeners 
and some of you have expressed our latest episodes aren't being recommended to you on Apple Podcasts anymore. So here's how to make sure you're getting your episode. And again, this is for Apple Podcasts specifically. Open up that podcast app on your iPhone. Search couple things and tap our shows icon. And then in the top right corner, you might see a plus follow symbol. If you do, tap it to resume following the show. If you get a prompt to, quote, turn on automatic downloads, say yes. That way, you'll get all of the episodes. Thank you so much, guys. We're so glad this update was brought to our attention because we want to make sure we're reaching as many of you as we can. Love y'all, and we really appreciate you doing this.